I'll never forget what happened on January 8th, 2012. Long time ago, right? <laughs> January 8th, 2012. Uh, it was my first semester, first or end of the first semester uh, of my first year at seminary. And one way that uh, the seminary serves the community of Mequon, Wisconsin, is uh, we go into a nursing home and we do a, a church service on Sunday mornings uh, for the nursing home. And there are two guys who are there every week, and then the rest of the seminarians, they rotate in uh, to preach at, at the service. So mine was up on January 8th, 2012. The service had just ended, and uh, I was in a good mood because, one, I got to worship Jesus and sing praises to Him, which I, I love doing. But then the second reason is because it was a rare sunny day in the middle of winter in Wisconsin. And so you're soaking up the vitamin D, you're feeling good, you're driving home, you just sang praises of Jesus. So what did I decide to do? I turned on my iPod, because I had a flip phone at the time. So I turned on my iPod and turned on my country music playlist and turned it up. And I'm driving back to seminary. And as I pulled into the seminary parking lot, my phone rang. And it was my mom. And I answered and I said, hey mom, how's it going? And immediately I could tell she was crying. And she said, grandma died this morning. And I sat there in the parking lot at seminary, looking out my front window of my car, watching the icicles melt off of the seminary buildings, and I didn't know what to do. We, we kind of expected this to happen eventually, sooner rather than later. She was sick, and so we knew that she was going to be dying soon. Uh, but when that call comes, it, I still didn't know what to do. It, it didn't seem right to just go into my apartment and continue on my day like nothing happened. Uh, it didn't even seem right to turn up my country music again uh, and, and start rocking out. So there I sat, looking out the window thinking about how this was the grandma that watched me every day as a baby growing up. This was the grandma whose house I was at every day after school up until 8th grade. This was the grandma whose house we moved into after my parents got divorced and we lived with her for about a year. This was the grandma who every night while we lived with her, she, she would read her Bible and that's where I picked up reading my Bible and so I sat down every night with her and read the Bible with her. This was the first time that someone really close to me died. And as I thought about that, I started getting more and more sad. And so I decided I didn't want to be sad anymore. So before I go into my apartment, I was going to turn back up the music and listen to one more country song. When I turned up the volume, I was completely surprised because somehow my iPod skipped off of my country music playlist and what I heard through the speakers was Amazing Grace. And guess what happened then? I broke down and cried. And the grieving process started. Death is ugly, isn't it? It, it doesn't matter if, if somebody was sick for a long time or if it happens suddenly and they go peacefully in their sleep. The ones who are left behind, you and me, are crushed. 
It's overwhelming at times. Death is one of the most, if not the, the worst experience a person can go through. Why? Because that relationship that you have come to love, that relationship that you know so well, that relationship that you even rely on is now gone and you're without. And I am convinced that the reason death is so hard is because death is not natural to this world. Yes, we look around the world and, and it's what we see every day, but death is really foreign to this creation. God did not create human beings to die. He created us to live forever. He created our relationships to last forever. But then Adam and Eve sinned. And death was brought into the world and now death is here. And so how do we handle it? Is there any hope whatsoever in death? This is what Paul is addressing the Thessalonian church in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And this is what we're going to talk about today. Where do we find hope? Do we even have hope in the midst of our grief? Last week we were in 2 Thessalonians, and I, I mentioned some background information there. If you weren't with us, let me mention some background information again. Uh, here's a Thessalonian church. Way up here is Thessalonica, right there. It's Jerusalem's over here. Paul, on his second missionary journey, uh, made his way over to Thessalonica, and he started a Christian church. He started preaching Jesus, and a Christian church was formed. Uh, but soon... If you remember back to last week, what happened? The Jewish people started inciting people and, and caused a, a great crowd and uproar, and they went and they tried to kill Paul. They tried to kill him to the point where the Christians in Thessalonica said, Paul, you need to leave, and they shooed Paul away to Berea. Meanwhile, the church continued to grow and continued to uh, strive. Paul had preached Jesus, life, death, and resurrection, but what Paul wasn't able to do while they, he was there was he wasn't able to tell them how this applies to the ones that have died. He didn't get to tell them how this applies to those who maybe even were killed in Thessalonica for the faith. And so Paul addresses this in 1 Thessalonians 4. And this is where we pick up today. 1 Thessalonians 4, beginning with verse 13. Brothers and sisters... We do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death, so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in Him. Notice what Paul says. We do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death. Paul is very intentional about what he says. He doesn't say, I don't want you to be uninformed about those who died, but those who sleep in death. Just like we go to sleep at night, we fully expect to wake up the next morning and we fully expect to be functional and alive and go about our day. Christians, when they die, fully expect to wake up again. And we expect our loved ones to wake up again. And so what does Paul want? What's the purpose of his writing? He tells us, so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. Paul says, I don't want you to grieve like those who have no hope. What did Paul have in mind? 
There's an interesting letter written about the same time that Paul wrote this letter. Uh, it was by a person named Irene. And Irene was writing to an Egyptian family whose son just died. And what Irene said in the letter was uh, that they handled everything correctly, everything went according to plan, but these things just happened. Here's the quote that I want to share with you. But nevertheless, against, against such things, one can do nothing. Therefore, comfort one another. Farewell. What's Irene's message? You did everything that you could possibly do, but sometimes these things just happen. So comfort one another with this message. Is that comfort? Is there any comfort there? Maybe a little bit. Maybe it does feel good for that family to hear, hey, you did do everything that you could possibly do, but then where's the hope? There's none. These things just happen, and I'm supposed to be okay with that? This is how the Thessalonians were grieving. We did everything that we could, but sometimes these things just happen, and it's out of our control, and... Well, now that relationship is over. And Paul says, we don't want you to grieve like that. We don't want you to grieve like that. Why? Because your first point today, and this is Paul's first point, is Christians have hope even in death. Christians have hope even in death. Notice, Paul doesn't say don't grieve. He doesn't say that. In fact, Christians grieve and grieve a lot. Uh, twofold. One, we grieve because the relationship is over, but we also grieve, why? Because we know the cause of death, it's sin in the world. We're grieved over the sinful state of the world. We're grieved over our sin. We're grieved that, that God didn't create it this way, but this is now the reality in which we live because we sinned. And we grieve that. And we grieve the loss of a loved one because it's hard. It's not easy. Paul doesn't say don't grieve. He just says don't grieve like the rest of mankind. Grief tends to do two things to a person. Number one, it paralyzes somebody. It paralyzes a person. Grief can be so overwhelming that even the smallest things... Even the littlest things seem too overwhelming to do. Even getting up and brushing their teeth is just too hard of a work to do. And so they, they, it's just too oppressive. And so the person just lays in bed. The other thing it does is it polarizes people. It causes a person to push their friends away, push their family members away. They don't want to talk to anybody who knows anything about it. And, and do they have friends? Maybe, but they're new friends who really don't know much about what they went through. It polarizes people. And so how do people eventually handle it? Well, where do they find comfort? Well, they find comfort in sometimes journaling. They journal their thoughts. They journal their emotions. Uh, sometimes they do want to talk about their loved one and they tell stories. Sometimes... Uh, they don't want to deal with it at all. And so, where do they find comfort? Diving into work, or working out, or sports, or a hobby to take their mind off of it. And they move on until the hurt's just gone. 
Some people deal with it through drugs and alcohol and they go down that line. Some just want to be in a room full of people. They don't want to talk, but they just want to be around others so they're not alone. But none of that actually brings hope, right? As, you, as that person sits in a crowded room so they're not alone, they know that the face of their loved one is not going to be seen in that crowd. As they tell stories about their loved one, a part of their heart hurts because they know no, none of those memories will happen in the future anymore. As they journal their emotions, they know that they're journaling and again, none of it's going to be fixed because their loved one isn't here. Grief is overwhelming. And grief is even worse when there's no hope. And this is why Paul is writing this section. He wants Christians to know that they have hope even in the face of death. He says, I don't want you to be uninformed about those who have fallen asleep so that you grieve, so that you don't grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. Because you have hope. Why? Paul tells us, For we believe that Jesus died and rose again. And so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in Him. Why do we have hope? Because Jesus died and rose again. Notice the contrast. Christians, how, does, how is death viewed for Christians? Asleep. And yet, what does Paul say about Jesus? Jesus died. He died. He experienced death to the fullest. Every aspect of death that a human experiences, Jesus experiences and even more because Jesus experienced the torments of hell as well. Jesus died. But what happened three days later? He rose again. He wasn't passed out and then came back. He, he didn't die and then resuscitate and, and come back out. No, He died and He rose. Think of what power that must be. Think of what kind of power it must be to bring someone back to life. And then to do it yourself. Imagine that. Jesus died and He came back to life because that's how much power Jesus has. And in doing so, He's conquered our greatest enemy, the grave. He's conquered the greatest enemy enemy, the grave, proving that he has complete power over death. And what's that mean? We believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. That means that because Jesus died and he rose again, Jesus is going to bring back with him your loved ones who have fallen asleep in him. When? And what will this look like? Paul talks about that. According to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven and with a, with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. 
Here's the hope that we have. Hope number one, Christians will be reunited with their loved ones. Christians will be reunited with their loved ones. When a Christian dies, the soul, the very essence of who we are, is separated from our body. The body goes to the grave, the soul goes to heaven, and is with Jesus right now. And they are experiencing joy beyond any joy that we could possibly have. And when Jesus comes down back from heaven at the end of the world, Jesus is going to come down with all of your loved ones. And what's it going to look like? The Lord Himself will come down with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and the trumpet call of God. Trumpets are going to be sounding and Jesus is going to come down and issue a loud command. And what's that command going to be? We've seen it before in John chapter 11. Do you remember John chapter 11? Jesus' good friend Lazarus dies. And if you read early in the chapter, Jesus is out of town and He tells His disciples, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. And the disciples, it's actually recorded, the disciples essentially think to themselves and say, well, somebody's going to wake him up. And Jesus says, no, 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 Lazarus died. They get to Bethany where, where Lazarus died four days after Lazarus was put into his grave. And Jesus comes out in front of the tomb and he says, move the stone away because their, their graves were uh, in a cave. And, and Lazarus' sister said, Jesus, no. Uh, he's been in there four days. He, he smells by now. Don't do that. And Jesus says, roll, the, roll it away. And with a loud command, do you remember what Jesus said? Lazarus, come out. Yes, come forth. And, Jesus, or, and Lazarus comes out. When Jesus comes back and the trumpets are blaring, He's going to shout out in a loud command to your loved ones, Come out! And they will rise from the dead. And their bodies will be reunited with their soul and they will have a perfect heavenly body. And then you and I and those who are left here will join them in the clouds and we will get our heavenly bodies and we will be reunited forever. What a day that's going to be when you get to see your loved one again. What a day it's going to be when I get to see my grandma again. And you just get to smile at them. Hold their hand. Hug them. Skip through the streets of heaven. Talk with them. Play catch with them. Whatever you do with your loved one, you'll get to see them again and you'll get to do that forever. Because in heaven... In that eternal home, death is no longer there. Death has been conquered. Sin is no more. There is no drama. It's only going to be happiness forever. Happiness and joy. But here's the other blessing. You're going to have a forever family. Not just with your loved ones, but Christians of all time. You'll get to see and talk with Peter, James, John, and Paul. You'll get to talk with Abraham, Moses, and Elijah. And you won't have to sit down and get to know them. You'll know them because they're family. And you'll get to see them and be reunited with them forever in heaven. And as joyful as that is, as great as that is, there's something even more Paul says. And so we will be with the Lord forever. 
Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Hope number two, Christians will be reunited with their loved one. And who's that? Jesus. On that day when Jesus comes back with your loved ones, it's going to be a joyful day. I picture us smiling ear to ear and the smile never fades. We might even giggle. We might laugh. We will have so much fun and so much joy. But do you know what the greatest joy will be? Seeing your Savior. Being able to hug your Savior. Being able to see Jesus, the one who's loved you more than anyone could ever love you before. The one who loved you so much that He died for you so that the grave would be conquered. So your end was not the grave. He died so He could rise again so one day you could too. You will get to see Him with your eyes. You'll get to see Him face to face and He will never be hidden from you ever again. This is the hope that we have as a Christian. The eager expectation of what that day is going to be like. There's a really great picture uh, that I think just demonstrates the ultimate joy that you are going to have when you see Jesus for the first time. Here it is. I picture us like that on that day when Jesus comes. Just hugging Jesus in ultimate joy. Ultimate happiness as you get to see Jesus, your loved one, forever. This is the hope that you have as a Christian. Death has been conquered. And one day you will be reunited with your loved ones and you will be reunited with your Lord and Savior Jesus and you will get to see Him face to face. You will get to hug Him and you will get to walk with Him, talk with Him, eat with Him forever. This is the hope that we have. This does not mean that we don't grieve. This does not mean that we're not sad. This does not mean that we don't get angry and overwhelmed. Christians still grieve, but our grieving is different. And so let's get practical. What does grieving as a Christian look like? Imagine a box in your heart, up on the shelf. And what is in that box? Anger, sadness, confusion, shock, maybe guilt. You have all these feelings and it's in a box. And you take that box off the shelf and you open it up and you just feel. Just feel the sadness. Feel the anger. Feel it all. And talk to God about it. God, I'm angry. Here's why. God, I'm sad. Here's why. And validate it. It makes sense. My loved one is gone. My loved one is gone. That relationship is over. I should be feeling this way. But then as you're getting ready to close up that box, to put it back up on the shelf, remind yourself of the hope you have. Thank you, Jesus. Because you've conquered the grave, I know that I will see my loved ones again. Thank you, Jesus, that because you conquered the grave, I will get to see you face to face. I will get to hug you. I will get to be with you forever. Thank you, Jesus for everything that you've done for me. Because I know that because of what you've done, I have the hope of being with my family forever in heaven. And I can't wait for that day to come. And then let your mind wander and think about it. What that day is going to be like. Picture it. 
and then put it back up on the shelf. Some days you might have to get that box off the shelf multiple times as the emotions seem to bubble over and force you to open it. But the more you do it, what's going to happen? The less and less you take that box down because the more and more it's replaced with hope. And you just can't wait. Eager expectation for the day when that day comes. So let's do what Paul says and encourage each other with these words. Who's someone in your life that you can encourage with these words from Paul and this good news of Jesus? It doesn't have to be somebody who's going through, through grief right now. It could be anyone sitting here. Pick somebody. Think of people. Look for people to encourage with these words because it's the greatest hope that we have that even though we grieve, we don't grieve like the rest of mankind because we have the hope. The hope of knowing that the grave has been conquered and we will be reunited with Jesus and with our loved ones again. Let's pray asking God's blessings on this. Dear Lord Jesus, we praise and thank you that you have conquered the grave, that you have lived for us, you've died for us, you've risen for us. The grave has been conquered and now we look forward to the day when we get to be with you forever, when we get to be with our loved ones forever and reunited uh, in heaven in our eternal home where our relationships will never end. Death will not touch us because death has been swallowed up in victory. We thank you for your love. We ask you to hold on to us as we look forward to that day when we get to be with you. Amen.